0: So draft is not about now, it's about the future, which is why drafting for need never works in my opinion. Hey there boys and girls, welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm Andrew Brandt, we're presented by DraftKings, as always, produced by Brian Neal, music producer, the sound you hear below me is of course Sam Brandt's sound. Draft Day Edition. Of the business of sports at Branch Rants, so I'm going to go into some draft discussion here. On a lot of different topics, and we can start right away. As you know, I'm not the player guy, so I'm not going to get into who goes first, who goes where, whether this is a good value or that value. But as we sit here on draft day 2022, uh, April 28th, Thursday, it's sort of a lot of things going through my mind. I'll just sort of go through a few of them. I'll give you some stories from the draft room as well. First of all, it's important to note that these players are not expected by any team, no matter how high they're drafted, to come in and be stars. That's for later in their careers. So I think it's important to right away understand the draft is not about now. These players coming in tonight, tomorrow, the next day, are not about what's gonna happen in 2022. Now, it's great. It's gravy if they come in and stars right away, and we see a few every year really become contributing factors right out of the gate. But that's not really the case. I mean, these teams have their stars. Teams have their veterans they rely on. Teams have the players that are their foundations. None of the players coming in tonight or tomorrow or the next day are foundational players yet? They are expected to be, especially first rounders, but not right away. So, again, this idea that we grade the draft right away, we expect these players to be strong right away, we do, but not right away. So, again, the draft is not about now, it's about the future, which is why drafting for need never works, in my opinion, because needs change. Needs are next year. Needs are the year after. Needs can be whatever. And I'll get into the Aaron Rodgers story, the Jordan Love redo of that 15 years later. And that's what we're looking at, whether the draft is now or later. Draft is all about later. That's my first thought. Another thought that I have about the draft is this. People need to understand value in the draft. Value picks at the first round to me are so important. And people know what those value picks are in terms of position. They're a quarterback, of course. They are offensive line, especially left tackle, of course. Defensive pass rusher, edge rusher, of course. Shutdown cornerback. Then you have more low-value positions, such as running back, safety, linebacker, tight end. And I'll talk about those in a second. Now, wide receiver is a different being now because – First, we're getting just more talent at that position higher in the draft, and there seems to be more of an impact coming from that position with the wide-open passing game, both in college and the NFL. So that used to be a low-value position, and yes, you can find those players later in the draft, but this is one undergoing a change both in the veteran marketplace and in the draft where wide receivers are able to come in, produce, and produce for a lengthy career in many cases. But let's talk about low-value positions. Running back, I don't get it. I don't get picking a running back high. And I know people are going to say, well, you have these transformational talents like Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. I wouldn't do it. When Saquon Barkley went number two in the draft, a couple things I said right away. Number one, he probably will be the rookie of the year. And number two, even if he is, it's a terrible pick. Because it's a low-value position, you can find guys later in the draft. So is Saquon Barkley's career going to be heads and tails above a a rusher, a a running back you find in later rounds? Probably not. And same for Elliott and same for McCaffrey. Now, out of the gate, I'm sure those guys will have great careers, and they did, because it's a high production position early in your career, low production late in a career. So again. That's not a position you go high in the draft on, no matter the talent, because there you have no margin for error. None. No margin for error. If you're taking Saquon Barkley number two or Elliott number four or McCaffrey number four, uh, no margin for error. In other words, they have to be perennial pro bowl, pro bowl players at that position. If you take a tackler or a pass rusher or a quarterback, they don't have to be pro bowl in early in their career to be value picks because you expect those positions to play for a long time, an offensive lineman, a quarterback. If they're good, they'll be around 10 to 15 years. So that's why running back and tight end. I said this last year about Kyle Pitts. They took him number four at Atlanta. And I said the same thing as Barkley. He could be rookie of the year. It's a bad pick because you have no margin of error when you take a tight end that high, none, he has to be perennial all pro. And people say, well, he's a generational tight end. He better be. If you're going to take him that high. He better be. So there's my thoughts on value picks. It's not rocket science. You go for high value. There's a reason players get paid what they do in sports. And the reason is scarcity. There are just not many of them. In basketball, the big people get paid well. There are just not many of them. In football, the positions that last the longest and have the highest impact get paid extraordinarily well because there are just not that many of them. There are just not that many 6'5", 330-pound guys that can move their feet and keep people off the quarterback. There are just not that many quarterbacks that can play at the highest level, and there are just not that many shutdown corners, not that many edge rushers that can maneuver their body into getting their quarterback in whatever, two seconds or less. So scarcity is what you pay for. And again, back to running back. Every week in the NFL, you see a fifth, sixth, seventh, undrafted running back get 100 yards. You don't see that at quarterback. You don't see that at edge rusher. And you don't see that at offensive line. You see premium players. So there's my rant about uh, value and value within the, you know, the draft and how are you going to look at positions? Again, not talking about any specific players, but you'll probably see a run tonight of offensive linemen, pass rushers, and then the receiver position. And let's talk about the receiver position. It has undergone a transformation. I've talked about this before. And the two deals from the Packers and Chiefs really stand out. What those two teams did, and forget about the politics and drama of the players and their teams, but the Chiefs and Packers decided, okay, we're going to go young and cheap now that we've had this player reach the peak of his value, and before he gets paid at another level, we're going to opt out. So both, both deals are basically for first and second round picks. The Chiefs and the Packers are going to address that tonight, I would think, in the first round, certainly tomorrow night in the second if they don't. So what we're going to have is an imbalance of pay. And the question is how big an imbalance of talent. So if you look at the Packers and Chiefs, say they take a receiver late in the in the first round, each of them, that deal is going to be, I don't know, five years. Uh, I mean, four years before you get to the option year, four years, maybe $15 million. Right. And, Devonte Adams is making 22 5 a year and Tyreek Hill is making 25 a year. So basically, they're going to get 4 years of this player for half of what Hill or Adams is costing. Think about that. They're going to get 4 years of this player for half of what they're costing for 1 year. I'll say it again. The Packers and Chiefs assuming they draft a receiver tonight, whatever the name is, are going to get four years of that player for half of what Adams or Hill are going to make in one year. So it just shows you the value of these rookie players. And I talk about this all the time. The gift to NFL teams to balance their cap and squat on undervalued contracts is the rookie pay system. And in every collective bargaining agreement, there's always the issues of rookie pay. And, for lack of a better phrase excuse the crudity screw the rookies because you have veteran players negotiating for the players you have owners negotiating for the owners and the one thing they both agree on is rookies should not make in come in making more than the veterans so they put together this rookie pay system it's going to really determine the value of every player for financial once he's picked so every player picked over the next three days knows pretty much exactly their contract the moment after he's picked. That's the way it is now. There's little to no negotiations. There's negotiations about um, payment of signing bonus, offset for the top picks, contract language, but that's pretty standard for teams. They're not gonna adjust for anyone in this situation. And guarantees throughout the uh, first round and into the fourth year. Those are little things they'll negotiate, but again, the money is pretty much set. So when you look at the draft tonight, think about value, think about money. And again, everyone's going to say things like, of course, Tyreek Hill's better than whoever the Chiefs pick a receiver. Of course, Devontae Adams is better than whoever the Packers pick a receiver. But think about value. Think about money and whether this becomes a trend. Now, people have even talked about the quarterback position, go young at quarterback. And when they get to their inflection point for free agency, maybe you move on. This might be what... I mean, what we're seeing with certainly what we're seeing with Baker Mayfield, but we might see that with Kyler Murray. And again, speaking of that, you may see teams bumping into the late first round to get that fifth year option, to get five years on a rookie instead of four years, to get that contract control. So these are all things that come up when you're thinking about drafting. Okay, I want to get to some stories about the draft. A couple of things. I'll of course tell the Aaron Rodgers story. I do it every year. But first, a word from DraftKings. We're in the NBA playoffs. There's next level basketball going on. You want to get in on this action with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same gay parlays, combine multiple bets. The more legs you add to these bets, the more you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, uh, the playoffs, you get a risk-free bet up to $10. Your same game parlay doesn't hit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code ROSS, capital R-O-S-S, bet $5 on any NBA team, NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code ROSS at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, let's get to some stories. I remember one year when the draft and you talk about these decisions that make uh, the future. You know, my role in the draft room, I was certainly staying in my lane. I didn't talk about who we're going to pick. I didn't get involved in this trade or that trade. I did have trade charts, but we had another person doing that as the person that handled the player money what i wanted to know when there was a pick made was okay who does this push off the roster especially if you're picked in the first 3 really four rounds you're going to make the team right if you're picked in the first four rounds you're going to make the team so i would say okay who does this push off the roster because right away you're making the depth chart you're really cutting the team in some way so i would say to our gm what who does this push off because i wanted to know Is it push-offs a veteran, which it usually did? Does he have any guaranteed money that we're going to eat? Does he have proration that we're going to eat? What's the dead money of this player we're going to push off? Those are the kind of questions I asked. I didn't make them change their minds, but I said, listen, if we take this linebacker, which linebacker is going to push off? If we take this wide receiver, which one are we pushing off the roster? So those are the kind of questions you ask in the War Room you talk about medical, you talk about, uh, positional again, pushing off the roster. Here's a story, 2007, we're in there, maybe it was so six or seven. And Ted Thompson, the GM says, can you get the uh, special teams coaches to come in here? And I said, okay. So I walked down, I get the special teams coaches. Now the special teams coaches being summoned to the war room is highly unusual. So they looked at me with their wide eyes, like deer in a headlight, like Why? Why are we coming down? I said, just come down. So they came down, and of course, we had some kickers on the roster. This was a year after losing Ryan Longwell to the Vikings, and we were going through some kickers. They liked a couple kickers on the roster. But we got in there in the fifth round, or maybe it's the sixth round, and we said to these guys, listen, we're thinking of taking Mason Crosby here out of Colorado kicker. Are you good with that? And they start hemming and hawing about. Mason versus this guy or Mason's uh, kickoff versus the guy on the roster or Mason's range. Or, and I think we interrupted him. I interrupted him. I said, listen, you don't understand. <laughs> if we take Mason, which we're probably going to do here, those kickers are gone, right? They're gone. They're not on the roster anymore. They're going to be cut. Won't be cut today, but in training camp, they'll be cut because Mason will be the guy. And then they kind of you know, stood up at attention and said, Okay, we get it. We like Mason. And sure enough, we took Mason. And here we are 15 years later, and he's the kicker for the Green Bay Packers. That's how things happen. And then, of course, so many stories. I mean, Ron used to say, Ron Wolf, you know, get them on the phone, make sure they're not dead. <laughs> and we'd get everyone on the phone. And sometimes I remember we we're trying to get a player on the phone. We couldn't find him. We're about to make the other pick because if you can't find him, you're not going to pick him. And literally seconds before switching to another player, the kid showed up. I think that was Mike Montgomery, defensive end from Texas A&M. And then the Aaron story. I'll tell that every year. It's just, you know, again, people get old hearing it maybe, but here it go again. 2005, we're in the draft room. Two things happened that night. One, all the players we had rated first round, I think we had about 16 or 17 players rated first round, came off the board in the first 20 picks and except for one. And the other thing that happened was that player who didn't come off the board was named Aaron Rodgers. The last thing we needed was a quarterback. We had the most durable quarterback in the history of the NFL. He was still playing well. His name is Brett Favre. So here we are. We got one name above our grades for the first round. We've got our pick coming, and we're in a quandary. So the coaches are all on the one side of the room. And they're pulling me aside, like Andrew, no freaking way, we can't do this because coaches are judged on the present. They want a player that can help them. And the coaches are like, this guy won't help us. Maybe this year, maybe next year, maybe never. And of course the coaches were going to be judged on their results. And of course they had, we had a bad year and they were fired after that year, the GM and the man and the scouting staff said, Andrew, what do you always say? Trust the board. So at the end of the day, We decide to get Aaron on the phone and we're going to wait at that time. was 15 minutes and see if we got any offers to sway our minds from taking Aaron Rodgers. So I get him on the phone. I'm trying to reach Mike Sullivan, his agent. I call someone answers, says, hello. I say, Hey Mike. He said, no, this is Aaron. I said, Oh, I felt so bad. I said, Aaron, it's Andrew Brad from the green Bay backers. Can I talk to Mike? So he puts Mike on the phone and Mike is clearly in a bad state because he's got Aaron's family looking at him with side-eye glances. The caterers, Aaron's the only one left in the green room. I'm watching this on TV. The caterers have moved and packed the seats. They've put the chairs on the tables. They're tapping their feet with their arms folded. Like when is this guy going to leave? And I said, he's like, Andrew, you're going to take him. You're going to take him. I said, listen, just hold on. And I had to keep him on hold like 12 or 13 minutes. And I tell you to this day, that phone never, Rang never rang, so here we are. We took him, and I often think about if that phone rang, the NFL would look so different the past 15 years. Like, what if someone offered us two twos, or what if someone offered us next year's one? I mean, it's interesting, it never happened. The phone never rang, nobody wanted Aaron Rodgers, so we took him, and that's what happens in sports sometimes for fortuitous circumstances. Things happen for a reason. It's happened all over sports. Where you draft this guy. You don't expect it. I mean, listen, again, the Cowboys that year tried to get Paxton Lynch. They couldn't. They ended up taking Dak Prescott late in the draft. So this is what happens. And always be clear that the draft is a process. And here we're going to go first round. Everyone's going to focus on it, but there's still – most of the draft left, then you have second and third round, then you have the Saturday. The busiest time of the draft is actually after the draft because when the draft ends Saturday afternoon, you have two hours of chaos. That's when undrafted players are signed. That's when you have this tumult where everyone's trying to sign these undrafted players. Agents and players are trying to pick where to go. Teams are are, are saying, if you don't decide in five minutes, in two, Thirty seconds. We're moving to the other player. It happens so fast. There's recruiting, and from my vantage point in running the room for the Packers from the financial side, it was really hard because we had the one hour of the year where coaches and scouts, people that have never negotiated contracts, are doing it. And I'm hearing in the side of my ear, like this guy's giving out five thousand. This guy's giving out ten thousand bonus. I'm like, stop. We can get this guy for a thousand dollars. So anyway, that's chaos. I always think there should be a better way. I've talked about it, written about maybe there's like med students apply to residencies and matchups. And I don't know. But we continue to have this tumult and this chaos in the Wild West right after the draft. Three stories I always tell about undrafted. Number one, I remember signing this kid. And all of a sudden I look at the other lists, team sign, and I would see that, hey, the Arizona Cardinals signed this kid. And I call him up. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I could I thought we could decide after I go to both camps and then pick a team. I'm like, no, no, you got to decide right now. And I think he went to Arizona. I don't even remember his name. The other story is 2003 draft. We're in that craziness after the draft and one of our scouts yells out to the room. Hey, anybody want to sign this quarterback, Tony Romo? And he's from Wisconsin and he loves Brad and he's a big fan. And there was just crickets. Nobody wanted Romo. So he went on. And then the favorite story I tweet every year, the favorite, um, the favorite story is this. Okay, so here it is. Negotiating with this player, he didn't have an agent. He's a, he's a uh, nice kid. And I finally said to him, okay, listen, here's the deal. We'll give." You. I said to him, listen, here's the deal. $1,000 bonus and three years minimum, you come in this week. And I just heard him pause. I'm like, what? You know, he, he was just not saying anything. I said, is that good? And he said, Mr. Brandt, I, I really apologize. I'm like, what's wrong? He said, Mr. Brandt, I only have $200. I'll, I, 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 but I'll, I'll get the other 800 and I'll bring it by the time I get there. And I said, what? He said, I don't have 1000 I only have $200. i will bring the rest. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. We pay you, we pay you the thousand dollars. And he's like, really? I said, yes. So it's such a cute story. And he came in, I, I got to admit, everyone asked me who was it? I don't know. I don't remember the name. I think he lasted a week or so in minicamp. Probably didn't last beyond minicamp. Um, But this is what happens after the draft. So it is the busiest time. So enjoy the draft. Um, I just think this is a time of hope that's what the draft is selling hope for these players hope for these teams more importantly hope for the fan bases and that's why maybe 10 million maybe more people who watch roger goodell tonight read names after they boo him that's basically what the show is he reads 32 names that's it and then you have all the analysis which i guess people like and the highlights and the highlights make every player look like he's pro bowl but we'll see what happens enjoy it tonight my final note is uh, not about the NFL, but it's about a commissioner or president that's very NFL-like, very Goodellian, is my word. So we have news this year, this week, that Mark Emmert, the CEO, the president of the NCAA, is going to step down uh, until when a successor is fine at the latest June 2023, which seems like it's not going to stay around a year. But we're at an inflection point, as I've talked about a lot here with the college of athletics. It's an interesting time that he's going to step down. It just shows the continued lack of, I guess, power of the NCA, where he's realizing, as I talked about Jay Wright realizing last week, we're in a new era, a new age. And with this new age, it's going to become new leadership new leadership at coaching positions and new leadership with the NCA. I think it's going to be someone a lot more progressive who understands this new changing world of NIL, how to regulate it. The NCA is really in a no-win position. Uh, if they try to regulate, if they try to govern, if they try to get involved, you know they're going to be lawyers. You know there's going to be antitrust lawsuits. They're cowed by the Alston decision in the Supreme Court last year. And now NIL is a mess. These collectives and directives are doing exactly the opposite of what they were intended as NIL, which was not pay players, not do recruiting inducements. And that's exactly what they've become. And no one is there to enforce it. Will the NCAA end up enforcing it? I think they're hoping for Congress to get involved in that, but that's going to be a long time, and now it's the Wild West. So anyway, my final thought on Mark Emmert, as I said, very much like Roger Goodell. In other words, he's not making the decisions. Roger Goodell's not making the decisions. In Goodell's case, it's the owners. In Emmert's case, it is the college president's. But in both cases, they are taking the heat. They're taking the bullets. They're taking the missiles from fans and media, so that others don't have to, right? So that the NFL owners and so that the college presidents don't have to, and that'll do it for this draft day edition of the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Brandt. Follow my newsletter at sign up at Andrew-Brandt.com. And you want me every day? You can go to Andrew-Brandt.com/sbl. I do daily videos for that group. Instagram Andrew Brandt to Clubhouse ADB 719. Thanks to Brian Neal. Thanks to Sam Brandt, our musical producer. And we'll see you back next week and we'll talk about this draft on the business of sports with Andrew Brandt. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming.